in this episode, I am Rocky Mountain High in colorful Colorado. I'll be joined by Illinois Representative LaShawn Ford at Psychedelic Science 2023, which is being held at the Colorado Convention Center in the capital of Colorado, the Mile High City, Denver. I'd like to thank the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, an American nonprofit organization otherwise known as MAPS, for inviting me to attend Psychedelic Science 2023. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review on whichever platform you're listening from. Here is the short conversation that I had with Representative LaShawn Ford. This conversation was originally recorded on June 21st, 2023. Walking over to your um, studio. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah. Did you, um, how far away did you stay? You know, about a half a mile. So okay. it's nice. Everybody's bad. out walking and mm-hmm. um, moving over here. You know, in town, you guys got psychedelics and cannabis. Yes. Competing. Um, I don't know if they're competing, but. You know, they're they're uh, well, let's just say that yesterday when I walked out, people were smoking cannabis. Yeah. So it's like it's here. <laughs> it's here. It's here. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we uh, sound good. I'm going to make sure the cameras are rolling. All and right. then uh, you ready to rock and roll? Ready my to rock, Cole. Let's go. Cool. Representative Ford, thank you for your time today. Uh, thank you, Cole. Um, I wanted to start with cannabis and then we can loop back around to the reason you're here today. Uh, psychedelic science. Psychedelic, yeah. <laughs> so welcome to Denver, Colorado. It's so cool to meet you here. I thought if I was ever going to meet you, it'd be in Illinois. Right. Never thought it'd be uh, in the Mile High City. Well, you're global. Yeah. <laughs> so. Here we are. Here we are. So, hey, I wanted to open up with a quote uh, from a person I think we both know, uh, Jordan Melendez. I recently mm-hmm. saw it in, um, uh, I'll have to give credit for this newspaper right now. I'm just looking at a screenshot. His quote was, true social equity is not the number of licenses that have been issued, it's market share. What do you think about that idea? Because that's the first time I've ever heard it said that way. Well, that's actually good. And Jordan, um, when Jordan speaks, people should listen because he's devoted to this issue. You're right. You can have um, a lot of people with licenses Mm -hmm. and they make no money in the industry. And so is that true social equity? And so that's very good that you point that out. I like that because Illinois we built the model of legalizing cannabis on social equity. Mm-hmm. And even if everyone that's now designated to get their license that's in the state of conditional licensing, get their license and still them as O's dominate right. in the revenue, that's true. It's not true social equity. Yeah. And he's, showed me some calculations. I hope I can get him on the show where he's actually laying out like the market share that the current cultivators have versus what they would have yeah. and all of that stuff. Do you, so I wanted to ask you with that in mind, if, if social equity is mar- is market share, do you view that in conflict at all with like pushing for the continued decriminalization of cannabis at all? Oh, I think that th- those are two areas that have to remain a focus. So decriminalizing is something that we need to do. And not only should we do it more in Illinois, 
but nationally. Yeah. It should be something that should happen, and the president should lead in that effort. I mean, here we are with one of the most progressive um, presidents in our time. Um, you know, we've had a progressive president when we had President Obama, number 44. There was a little interruption with 45. Um, but, you know, he wasn't progressive in the areas that we are. Right. Um, but there were there were no setbacks with 45 yeah. because states still had rights. So I think that criminal justice has to be front and center because there are people that's traveling down that lane that, you know, they don't consume at all. But they believe in um, having a justice system that's fair. So yeah. that has to be something that we focus on. And then economically. Right. Do you think that it would have to wait until a federal level. And the reason I'm asking this question is because I've asked, uh, including advocates, not Jordan, but others that have maybe worked alongside Jordan. I've seen them like in pictures mm -hmm. together. So Scott Redman from the Illinois Craft yeah. Growers Association. I've asked him about pairing some of their proposals with proposals that would further decriminalize cannabis. And one of them that I'm thinking about is home grow. But immediately his question is, well, how's that going to affect our market share? So from my perspective, it seems like from the licensee's perspective, they see further decriminalization as competition to their market share. How do you how do we address that? Because yeah. I think that's something that we should focus on as well. There are people in that, um, I would say, bucket and people that um, in that space that believe that home grow should be decriminalized and people should be able to grow yeah. in their own home. In fact, there are members in the Black Caucus in Illinois that believe that. And, you know, my position is I want to be a, um, a good broker in this conversation. There has to be a discussion. And if we just shut down the idea of, of home grow, that's wrong. And I think that the fact that, uh, person actually grows cannabis at their home and to think that we can actually send the police there to arrest them mm -hmm. where they have a right to um, enjoy their home. And, and if growing a plant of cannabis is something that they enjoy, they should be able to do it. I know that I could take that stand. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the way I like to say it, and I want to see if you, if you're down with this, I always say cannabis is not legal until we can grow, possess, use as much as we want, need, or please. Wow. <laughs> That's, I think that I can, um, I could listen to that and talk more about it. I mean, it would be, people would say, well, that means that we can have cannabis growing in fields like corn. Would that be okay? I mean, would it hurt anybody? You well, know? and uh, just to go with your corn reference, like I'm from where there are a lot of cornfields. Most of us know you can't just take that corn off and eat it because it's not sweet corn. Right. It's agricultural. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? So, but to your point, yeah, I wonder if if we go that far. I, I don't know. But I guess what my, where my question comes from is I actually feel like the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act was a bit short-sighted. I give it a lot of credit for a lot of the things that it did do, including legalizing cultivation for medical cannabis right. patients. But when we look at how these penalties were originally established, and just for background for folks listening, the Cannabis Control Act of 1978, it's an Illinois law, and it established a graduated set of penalties. All of those penalties are still 
alive and well today, except for 30 grams or less of cannabis, uh, 800, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, it's five, five grams of concentrate. I don't know why I'm yeah. blanking on it right now. The point is, it's like we, the line used to be, you cross this line, you have this leafy substance on you, it's illegal. Now it's like we raise the line up a little bit. We're like, you can have the leafy substance, but only a small amount. Yeah, and you know what's, the problem with that is the people with the money, the majority owners in this space, they did just a little to push for a little decrim so that they could make a lot of money. We need them to be on board with full decriminalization. But remember, we tried in Illinois, and I tried in Illinois, and people all over the country have tried to do decrim of cannabis for years. Yes. Even the small amounts that we got in the Cannabis Act in Illinois. I tried to do that when I first got in, in probably 2007. Mm -hmm. It didn't make sense to anyone then, until the money people came and said, you know what, why don't we get some people on our side? Sure. And who do we get on our side? People that have criminal records. And we're gonna use that as a opportunity to get people to say, yes, mm -hmm. I want to pass this bill because they're gonna decrim and they're gonna expunge records. While all alone, they know that they're about to make billions of dollars. So what we need to do is get those billionaires and multimillionaires that's making money off of cannabis to join an effort for full decrim. Yes, well said. And you know, I get flack sometimes because I have pointed out that they've lobbied against homegrown in the past, and some people are like, "Well, they didn't all lobby against homegrown." And I'm like, "Well, they didn't. They certainly aren't at the front of the right. crowd saying let's do it. So that's a problem. They should be ahead of everybody else." That's right, and they have the money and the resources and the knowledge about this, and they should help um, decrim across the country. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, um, I want to touch on just Delta 8 before we wrap up with psychedelics. Um, I saw recently in Capital News, Illinois, I had to take a picture because I got a physical newspaper. It's not often oh, that I actually read Oh, you're too young it, for a physical newspaper. Yeah, but check it out. I, I saw <laughs> Look this. Look at that. Oh, whoops, yeah, okay, there's the, Jordan. Uh, there's Jordan, but uh, hold on a second. I'm trying to flip it back. There we go. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I saw this and I was like, I got to keep this. Um, but I really liked the quote that you had in here. Um, Ford argued that banning it while trying to decriminalize cannabis and reform the industry would be hypocritical. If we ban it the way cannabis was banned, then we're going to have a new crop of people that's going to be entered into our criminal justice system. I saw you at Chaitiva recently, and we oh, actually yes. had them on. <laughs> right. There, I've never seen it. They gave us like a virtual tour on the podcast. Yeah. Where do you stand on this Delta 8 topic? You know, I, Delta 8, one, I would tell you, Cole, if we were able to eliminate it off the planet, then we could talk about banning it. Yeah. You know? Thank you. <laughs> you know, Thank but you. the fact that we cannot eliminate it off the face of the earth, how can we ban something that's here to stay? Yes. And the way I see a ban, we're creating this new criminal act that will take Delta 8 to the traditional market, and now you're gonna have more people selling Bingo. Um, Delta 8, and it won't be as safe as it could be if we could regulate it. 
And what do you think the answer is? Uh, I personally think it's as simple as ID. You got to be 21, testing and labeling. That's it. Oh, don't forget now. We got to collect revenue. I need to get Uh, some taxes. Now, but does that mean that it's going to be limited to the dispensaries or will it continue like a Chai Tiva? Right. I think that it would be just as you said, those three. And we just need to make sure that we could tax it. Um, I'm a Democrat. And, you know, I think that we have to tax it the way cannabis is taxed so that it could be an equal playing field. You cannot allow for people that sell an intoxicating drug to um, be in the industry and cannabis is in the industry and they spend a lot of money and time to set up and become a thing in Illinois and you have this competing intoxicant out there that's not taxed and regulated the same. And so I want to be fair to the cannabis industry and say, What's good for cannabis should be good for Delta. So cool. all the regulations that exist for cannabis. So would like a Chai Tiva just be given a license or like, I want to be clear, like these yeah. shops, would they be shut down? Uh, <laughs> that's what, you know, that's what the cannabis industry want. Right. They want it shut down. They want to be the only ones. They want to be the only cannabis. ones. That's called a monopoly in America. Right. And, you know, I can't support a monopoly in, um, in Illinois given one industry all the business yeah you know that's not right um and people would like choice <laughs> that's the way life is people want to be able to try it and different. it's a weird place where federal law is a, is ahead of state law and it's yeah. like we're trying to bring it back and i get we're trying to add logical steps like age requirements testing right. and, and labeling for safety but it's like i loved your quote because it felt like it's like, we need to be careful about this conversation because here we are. One of the things Trump did inadvertently was sign the farm bill into act. That's and right. it was totally an accident. Yeah. If he would have been told, he'd been like, fuck no. You're I right, ain't. Cole. You, <laughs> you know what? Know? I'm glad you um, called that to my attention because before we talked about yep. 45 didn't do any harm, but he did do something yes. to with the farm. Act. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Sessions rescinded the Cole memo, which we're just honoring in spirit today. That's it's nice, but it's a little scary yeah. when you think about that. Because yeah. the Cole memo is what allows this whole thing to go on. Right. You know, I would tell you that that's why Delta and hemp can't be shut down. Mm. You know, I mean, when you look at cannabis, I mean, you have to respect the fact of the memo and yeah. realize that you have something that you're trying to shut down that's federally, you know, yes. recognized. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, uh, that's all I had on Delta A. Uh, I want to one more note on social equity, then we'll get to we'll wrap up with psychedelics. Um, I wanted to ask you, I feel social equity, it includes giving people licenses and the support they need because they've just they've been disadvantaged by the Mm -hmm. war on drugs. Right. But what better way to address social equity than ending the war on drugs? That's and I don't it. mean to, I do mean with all drugs, but since we're talking about context or sorry, we're talking about in the context of cannabis, I just, I'm getting very frustrated, honestly, when I like, when I read quotes like that from Jordan, yeah. because I understand where he's coming from, but I'm also like, if we're not addressing this cycle that continues, like we've acknowledged, like this has happened. These people have been disadvantaged by the war on drugs. And it's like, it seems like the last thing we're doing is right those policies right you know know, i would tell you i would love to i am a rational thinker and i realize that as a politician as a elected official that 
love public policy. The democracy, you bring people along. Yeah. And, you know, I think that we could do more harm than good if we just simply totally decrim without discussion with the public because people wouldn't understand what's happening. And you got law enforcement that you got to bring on board. You got the medical community that you have to bring on board. And you have the institutions of higher learning. Everybody has to be brought on board. That's why it's a process, I think, and not just allowing for things to just change because a certain group of the population understands it. Everyone should understand it and have an opportunity to join in a conversation. Well, hey, I want to switch over to the CURE Act. Yeah. I am very supportive of the CURE Act. I love it. Can you uh, introduce it for our audience that doesn't maybe know about it? Yeah, the CURE Act is Illinois' number one bill. And it is, it's, it comes from the people. You know, I knew nothing about uh, psychedelics, but, you know, the people actually um, came to me and educated me about psychedelics and the benefits that um, this therapy can have on people. Mm -hmm. um, veterans, that's what I hear. Number one, people with PTSD and veterans, this is a treatment that people could actually use and they find it beneficial. Um, people with life-ending um, situations, cancer um, patients, um, understand that this therapy of mushrooms, psychedelics, actually helps them along the way. So it's really a medical treatment that in our bill, House Bill 1, it decriminalizes uh, psychedelics, mushrooms in Illinois, and it allows for us to set up therapy um, facilities for people to go in and receive the therapy with um, a licensed therapist. Our bill will not allow for um, recreational right. use, but it will allow for people to use um, under the care of a medical um, professional. Right. Right, so you won't be going to a dispensary like my shirt shows right. and walking out with a, a bottle of mushrooms right. or whatever. Um, you'll be connected with a uh, professional that's that's um, tooled. Some of them are here today, yeah. uh, equipped. I meant to say uh, to guide you through that experience. And I think the the biggest thing is how to. Uh, integrate it into your lifestyle so that your life does change. You, you know, your lifestyle does change. Yeah. So I, the, my favorite part about the cure act is the descheduling component of, of the law. Um, and I honestly, like in retrospect, I wonder like that's, I feel like that's what I'm kind of proposing with cannabis. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it will take time. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to people that's leading the way for decriminalization of drugs should be proud of where we're at today. Yeah. You know, we're, we're never going to be exactly where we want to be um, because there's always going to be work to do. But I mean, just think about it. We should be proud that there's real conversations about decriminalizing marijuana, mm -hmm. decriminalizing psychedelics, and that people can now use marijuana recreationally yeah. and be open about it. Mm -hmm and they could use it safely. 
and they can also support their state with the tax revenue that they're given. And so the same thing happens with psychedelics. We're moving in that direction slowly. Yeah. Cannabis in Illinois started out, as you said earlier in our conversation, as a medical, um, as for medical use only. Right. Then we moved to recreational. And so I think that the approach that we are taking in Illinois with the Cure Act number one is almost the same. Yeah. And it's, it's a time where people are educated about um, psychedelics and mushrooms, and then they become more acceptable mm-hmm. to the use. And that's the process, slowly but surely. Yeah. I never thought I'd get off the phone with my mom saying, I'm at a psychedelics conference. I was just given mushrooms because that's right. legal here right. in Colorado. Yeah. So um, I never thought, and she was like, wow, that's really cool. You yeah. go, you rewind to uh, high school. My mom was like, you don't smoke weed. All losers smoke weed. That's, they don't go anywhere. Right? You See? know, and now times people, have changed. Times have changed. And that's what we have. If we're going to be respectful in a democracy, we actually help bring people along. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't do it that way, that's when we lose the battle. Because you're gonna, you can't be in a movement ignoring people. Yes, <laughs> you have to yeah. hear them so that you understand why they don't fit in to the bucket that you want them in. That's how you win. The more you ignore their concerns, the more opposition you're gonna get. So you bring them in. And you talk to them, you educate them, because there is enough evidence that psychedelics is good for people to use for medical purposes and people for uh, microdosing for whatever they choose to do. There's enough evidence to show that it's okay. (laughs) You know, even our um, institutions of higher learning have studied it and showed us, and they've. uh, debunk some of the myths that people used to um, uh, convey out from the 60s. Yep. You know, and so we're coming along. I mean, to have a big conference in Denver and Denver leading the way in their conversations, um, we should be happy but not satisfied. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, two more questions for you, then I'll let you. I know you got a busy day mm-hmm. ahead of you, and I got some sessions I want to hit. So, um, do, do you view descheduling as a core component of the Cure Act? And the reason I ask that is because I'm all for the uh, the assisted therapy. Right. In fact, I foresee myself taking advantage of it. But I also acknowledge I'm very privileged, and those options can be cost prohibitive. And so I see descheduling as core, fundamental, foundational. Yeah, absolutely. That's what the uh, leaders of this movement want. Um, So I would say that with the help of Colorado and this going nationally, hopefully Washington can help with this. But state rights allows for us to put in our bill descheduling. Mm -hmm. And I think it it really is, is and should lead the way in this discussion. Yeah. My last question for you. I don't know if you've ever been asked this. You said you don't do psychedelics. Right. So I know the answer to that. Right. Have you ever smoked cannabis? Do you smoke cannabis? You or know, do you use cannabis? No, I don't sp- use cannabis. But, you know, I've tried a gummy. Okay. And um, since, it been, since it was legal in Illinois, I did try a gummy. And I just, I probably didn't um, 
do it right. <laughs> okay, okay. I try, you know, I tried it when I was going to sleep, and sure. I got to tell you, I may have taken a dose that I shouldn't have taken Did because it keep I, you up? no, it hit me. I think I was fighting in my sleep. Oh. It was like, what the heck is going on? It was yeah, something. It may have been too much for you. <laughs> but you know, I think that I hear more good stuff. I rarely hear bad testimonies about people using um, cannabis or, or psychedelics. So, I mean, I hear, you know, even when we talk about psychedelics and we talk about cannabis, there's a difference. I mean, we know that psychedelics are not addictive. Right. And they're helpful for people even struggling with addictive substances. Mm-hmm. So I'm a supporter of that. Um, I'm a supporter of psychedelics for people that have substance use disorders that have to take other drugs to um, help them recover from the street drugs. Yeah. But when I hear people using psychedelics to treat their um, heroin addiction and it's not addictive, this has to be an option. And that's what America is about, options. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, hey, uh, Representative Ford, I want to thank you for your time today. I hope this isn't the last time we chat. Um, anything uh, for the final word? I wanted to give you some space. I, you know, I want to thank you for um, having me here in the Mile High City and, yes. and including me in your um, discussion. And I hope you do well today. Um, I know at the Hilton, they, they got the cannabis. Have you been over there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much. And I hope that the people in Illinois join the movement to help us pass um, the Cure Act, yeah. uh, House Bill number one. Absolutely. And I guess I do have two quick questions. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about the Chillinois podcast? Like, were you aware? Of Absolutely. Me? Cool. Okay, <laughs> yeah, cool. this is this is big. So uh, once you get it, I'm going to share it. And because you're global. Yes. Look at you. You're right here. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was about to ask you if you enjoyed your time today, but I feel like you just answered I it. I did. So. Thank you. Cool. All, All right. right. Well, hey, man. All right. Good Take luck care. to you. Yep. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you on the next one. Take care.